Hello, this is Calvin, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've accessed the Do You Know Show, and we're bringing you bits of knowledge and information you might not have heard from people you might not know. One thing I must let you know, though, is that the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this program and others, please log on to KUCI.org. How you guys doing? I want you to know, first off, that I'm broadcasting live here in Spring, Texas. <laughs> it's a little suburb right outside of Houston, and I'm here with, with my relatives on this day, and uh, I'm just really, really happy to be here and glad to give you guys an opportunity to find a little bit out about some things you might not have known. Uh, hopefully, my, my, my brother-in-law here ain't going to say too much about me that uh, ain't likable, but if he do, it's all right, because y'all will find out a little bit more about him uh, in the process. Uh, but and and find out about me as well. But anyway, uh, we're going to get started here in, in Spring, Texas, and I'm here with Alfred Samuel Edge Jr., and I call him Big Duke. Duke, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good today. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful, man. I'm glad to, to be here with you. Uh, this guy uh, married my sister some years ago, and how long y'all been married now, man? 43 years. My God. <laughs> 43 years of marriage. And, uh, and I remember, man, me and you were the best of friends. And one day uh, I came home and uh, I hadn't talked to you that particular day. And you were sitting in my living room and I thought you was waiting for me to come home. And you were sitting there with my sister. When did, when did all that come about? I've been meaning to ask you that. When did you first decide that you was going to try to make this woman your wife? Uh... When I was overseas, I just asked the Lord to give me somebody that loved me that I can love. And uh, waiting on him then, wasn't saved, wasn't thinking about nothing else. I've seen a lot of guys getting dear Johns, and I didn't have time for all that. <laughs> so all I could do was hope and wish for something good to, to happen. As soon as I got back to the States, one of my buddies told me, you know your lady waiting for you. That's Calvin's sister. Oh, my goodness. And I went to see her, and it's been all uphill ever since. <laughs> oh, that's okay, <laughs> That's okay. The marriages, uh, you know, they <laughs> they make a man out of you. You think the service made a man out of you? It'd be the marriages that make a man out of you and a woman out of a woman. Yeah, as I said, we we here in the house, so though that that laughter you hear probably be my sister, or my wife, or my niece, because they hear as well. Listen to this interview, and we, you know, we happy to share it with y'all. But anyway, man, uh, so you sitting there in your, your uniform, you know, <laughs> looking like, you know, a, a, a million dollars, you know, and I'm and I'm, I'm I'm looking at you, you know, and 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 happy for one thing, man, that you were able to come back home because I know that you uh, you did two tours of duty in Vietnam. You know what? Uh, what was it that made you that made you that you made the decision rather, first of all, to even go into the service? What? What caused you to want to go into the service? Didn't really want to go into the service and stuff. I was drafted and wouldn't attend and 
God gave me a choice one day. I thought I was going in the Navy, and he said, you're a little too late for that. He said, but I can get you in the service with no record, and I end up in the Marine Corps. In June 27, 1967. Wow, the Marine Corps. Let me see. June of 1967, I had just, no, I was still, matter of fact, I had, uh, I had dropped out of high school, and I had to go back for summer school. So I was in summer school at the time, and I didn't come out until August of, of, of 1967. And I was uh, drafted in, uh, I don't know what the date was, but it was in 1968. And I called my mom at home and told her, you know, I'm not going to the service um, and I, I'm, because I know I'll be sent to Vietnam. So I'm gonna move to the can and to Canada because I just got drafted. And I applied for a 2S, um, which uh, was a deferment, and I got out of the service. But I remember, you know, at the time that you were you were in there, and it wasn't long afterwards that you were sent to Vietnam. What was that? Just 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 give us a little bit about how uh, finding out that you were going to Vietnam. How did that affect you? Well, it didn't bother me too bad. I was a little scared. I'm young. Didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I had one goal in mind, and that was returning home. Wow. So I remember landing in, in uh, the Nang Air Force Base and uh, how quiet the plane was because we took a civilian jet, American airline, matter of fact. There was like 150 of us, and that plane was so quiet you can hear a pin drop when the man said, you are now landing in the Nang. Air Force Base in Vietnam. And the first night I ended up on guard duty, which was really terrifying because they said they'd give you a gun, but no bullets. So I refused to go. Mm. And so I said, ain't no way in the world. I'm going to sit out in the dark with no bullets. <laughs> wow. And so bumped into a few infantrymen, and they told me, hey, I done lost a lot of partners. I said, you lose your life. You come over here and mess with me talking about standing guard <laughs> with no bullets. But it was a secured area, and I didn't know. I was the boot in Vietnam. Mm. So the next day, I got put on a, on a detail, and it was cleaning out outhouses. Oh, my goodness. And I refused to do that. Mm. I told them, ain't nowhere in the world. I'm going to stick my hands on some garbage cans. That somebody domestic. From there, it was downhill. Mm. I ended up out in the bush. Wow. And stuff for disobedience. Mm. Sometimes I wish I had stuck my hand on them cans. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so if you if if you disobey, if you disobedient, then they then they put you in the front. Is that how that goes, or, or could you might have gone to the front anyway, even if you hadn't disobeyed? Could have gone to the front anyway. It depends. You can have orders for one thing going to Vietnam, and by the time you get there, they change your orders all together. Wow. And stuff. So they put you on a convoy. You can get there when you stand the name. But if you don't, they put you on a convoy and out you go. Now, what do you mean they, they you could say, you, you, it, but it's not really your choice whether or not you stay right, in the name. You don't have a choice. Okay, okay, okay. And so when, when, you, uh, when you were put, I mean, you, 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 you're there, you've been there uh, a, a few days or whatever the case might be, and when you first get there, you, you, you land on the plane, 
everybody's quiet because evidently everybody's scared. I'm sure you're still scared when you've been there a week or so. What does that ever change, or you know, as 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 you move about, what 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 changes? What do you see, and what what are your feelings like as time goes by? Man, you'd be scared for a long time because you knew in country, and it's just natural to be scared. For me, I was scared. I ain't okay. gonna tell. Tell no lie. Some people might feel different. Gun old and wants to be there and want to fight and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, for me, I was a little scared. And I think it, three days later, we got hit. Mm. And all through the bombing and everything that was going on and the, the fighting, they prepared you. you. You don't feel nothing until it gets quiet. Mm. And once it gets quiet, I went into the shakes. Oh, man. And, stuff. and I thought, man, it would have been better to kill somebody and go to jail in the States <laughs> to wow. get shot at like this. Wow. So you're saying all, all the while, I mean, you're hearing, the, you're hearing uh, the aircraft, you're hearing the bombing, you're hearing the shots, you're hearing all of that. But all during boot camp and that kind of thing, they prepared you. All that noise wasn't new noise, so you had heard that before. Right. But then when it got quiet and you started realizing that your life was at risk every second of every minute of every hour of every day, that's when, the, that's when it got tough. Yeah. Wow, man. It was, it, was, it was rough for a while, but after a while, <clears throat> and you get used to it because you got to get used to incoming rounds and outgoing and you don't when you first get hit you don't know the difference if the rounds is going out mm. or incoming in or coming in we were stationed with the army marine corps the army at the top of the hill the marine corps at the bottom of the hill <clears throat> heavy artillery and five fives and whatever all different types of weapons and you don't know what's going on. You just scared. Wow. We was relocating, and for the next three or four months, we was building bunkers because we was digging in, and we was gonna be there a while. Wow. So the bunkers are like the, the those big holes in the ground where you, yeah. you where where all the all the people are stationed. You got artillery and that kind of stuff down there. So you basically in a hole, and you being you you about six four, right? Six, four and a half. <laughs> and so how deep is the hole? How deep is the bunker? Oh, our, our bunker was about three or four feet deep. It took us a while. We got a crane and, and dug a hole. Okay. And so, so we, we built the sandbags. Okay. All that stuff to put around the bunkers. Right. To enforce it and everything. Right. But, it was they pretty deep. Mm-hmm. So uncomfortable, but they pretty deep. Yeah. But once you once you build, you know, pile up the sandbags and all that and you got a three and a half foot hole or whatever, then when you when you're standing up, your head can reach over the the the, the sandbags or or you were pretty well yeah, protected we had from that. Okay, okay, okay. Right. Okay. And so and so you're 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 in this bunker. And and now that you're in the bunker, do you feel safer than you were when you were above ground, or how does that feel? And how did how did that change any change anything? Do you feel a little safer in there? No, it's felt the same. <laughs> really? You never know what was gonna happen. Oh man. So, 
because the rounds could have been heavy artillery. Mm-hmm. They had they had pretty good stuff too and stuff. And they was pretty smart people. The Vietnamese wasn't no dummy. Okay. Wasn't allowed to throw away batteries because they could make uh, explosives. They could out of batteries. Explosives out of what we call dead batteries. Oh my goodness. So you you couldn't throw away stuff like that and. When you go out to the bush, you carry as many rounds as possible because you want to come back. Yeah. So you, when you say go out to the bush, you're talking about go out where you know is a, a dense foliage Area. where you, yeah, and it's, it's not a clear, clear. You can't see clearly, and you got people in trees and hiding in the bushes and that kind of thing that you got to be or try to be aware of. Anyway. Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes it's clear land out front. Sometimes okay. it's rice paddy. Mm-hmm. Of what have you, but my main job was really a cook. I just got in trouble and end up in some strange places. Oh, okay, okay. And so, 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 so as a cook, you but you still had to participate if there was oh, fire yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. arms and that kind of thing. You still had to participate. Yeah, we was out. We wasn't in a secured area. Okay. Once you get out of the name, it it was it was. Uh, it wasn't very secure. Okay. Wow. Wow, man. Yeah. And, and so and so how was it? I mean, you you know, you're with people that you've never met in your life until you got to boot camp. And now these are the same guys that are going out there with you whose life, your life and their life are dependent on how well you protect each other. What did what kind of security did you have in that in terms of fighting with people that you had never you had never even you you had only known for a few weeks? Well, well, really, boot camp is just boot camp. You okay. just train. Okay. After boot camp is infantry training. Okay. You with a whole different set of people. Mm. Like, uh, and and there was no guarantee you was going to be with them same folks. Okay. That you was in infantry training, because they pulled out a whole battalion. That really, I don't know if I should be saying. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, really hadn't went through all the infantry training that we needed. Really? So, yes, a whole whole battalion of Marines went over before we did. And they was just, well, your orders is set up. When that unit pull out, you pull out too. Mm. So a battalion, how many, how many soldiers is that about? I don't know. It's quite a few. Is it? All I can say. More than 100? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So you, you're saying that there might be 100 people over there that didn't have infantry training, but they're on the front They line. had some, uh-huh. but they didn't co- some of those did, didn't complete infantry training. Wow. Me. Wow. And, and, so, and, you, and you know this while you're there, or you found that out when you got back? When I, when I got in Vietnam, I met some of the guys that was in infantry training okay. with me. Mm-hmm. They weren't stationed with me, and they okay. weren't in my company. Mm-hmm. But they, I met, I knew them from infantry training. Okay, okay. And, and really, some of them have been wiped out and <laughs> heading back to the states. What do you mean wiped out? They, they battalion had been just completely destroyed. Yeah. Oh man. They didn't have enough left to do whatever. Oh man. Wow. And so, and so you you're seeing people that you were in infantry training with, and they're going back home, going back to the yeah. states. 
because there's not enough of them left to continue doing what they're doing. But the people that you're with is enough for y'all and y'all going to go in and possibly wind up the same way they they did. Only some of y'all ain't going home as well. And you're aware of this, but why you're there? Yeah, it's always a matter. God just blesses who he blesses. Mm. Some get hit early. Some get hit in the middle of their tour. And some get hit a couple of days before they go on home. And wow, stuff. man. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen and stuff. Mm-hmm. My second tour of duty, I was in country less than 24 hours. And our ammunition dump got hit. And I was next to the ammunition dump. Wow. Man. So, um, and so you, 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 you're there, and 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 uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, I'm talking to Alfred Samuel Edge Jr., who happens to be my brother-in-law, and we got to the topic some kind of way of Vietnam, and this is something I've always wanted to talk about, and so we're gonna continue to talk about this, and this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Calvin hosting the Do You Know show. Um, so, so. You so now you, you you you're there in Vietnam, and uh, this is something totally new to you. But you know that you know if you're gonna stay alive, you got to do what you need to do to be able to do that. You know, and so you're you're with some people, and you guys are basically responsible for each other's lives. You know, and and as I said earlier, you don't know you really don't know these guys, but you know that 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 you're dependent on them. What happens when when something goes uh, awry and 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 uh, and and say the because I've heard a lot of stories about this, but I want want firsthand knowledge. What happens when the when when a a guy is given the orders and he's really not suitable for you know for doing that for making good decisions? Do you guys have to make decisions on your own, or you have to just do what he says for uh, you to do? You pretty much do what you're told to do. Okay. Because without that's disobedience. Right. If you can't do what you're told to do, then it causes division, and you can't have these. Oh, I see. I it's see. not like TV mm-hmm. displays one thing and stuff. They, when you came back from Vietnam, we weren't allowed to bring pictures, really, and and weapons, automatic weapons. It was a federal offense to have an automatic weapon. Not like in the day and age. Mm-hmm. And, and squads in Vietnam, they show you predominantly white people fighting in combat zones. But a squad is made up not just of white folks, it's, it's made of black folks. It's made up of Indians. It's made up of Italians. It's made up of all kinds Hispanics and stuff. You might have a little everything in a, in a squad and stuff. It's not one nationality. The service is not made up of one nationality like you see it on TV. Mm-hmm. A black spot here, mm-hmm. a Hispanic spot there. It's totally different. Okay. Them guys is watching each other. They haven't got time really to be race conscious okay. in combat mm-hmm. and stuff. You don't want no two enemies to fight and stuff. You need somebody to watch your back. It's okay. not like the states where everybody trying to fight for a position, a nationality here and a nationality there, and who's got the upper hand and who's voting there and stuff. 
When I went to Vietnam, I could not even say who my president is. Now back here in the States, they gerrymander a district. Regardless of how you vote, that person still might get in even with the most votes mm-hmm. and stuff. This stuff is messed up here in the States. And I'm sure those guys that died didn't feel that this would have been worth dying for. Wow, man. They gave their life up for this. Kids getting shot without weapons, and then it's being justified and stuff. I'm six, four and a half. A man look at me and disagrees with me and can shoot me and tell the police I fear for my life. Or the police, look how big that guy is. I fear for my life. There's no compassion in the United States no more. Mm. And stuff. People don't 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 care about each other. The banks used to sit down and compromise for folks. Now they're thinking of how much money they can get and how much they can send overseas and how their family's gonna do it. The heck with another family and stuff. Mm. The churches won't even bring up the conversation and stuff. I know their job is to teach about Jesus and to feed the poor, but you got them riding around in expensive cars and people driving around, can't even afford a car, eating food stamps and stuff, and they don't even want to give you food stamps. They don't want to give you medicine here and stuff, and don't get sick on the job, not in Texas, because they are fired (laughs) and stuff. Mm. No insurance, and they don't care. Where's compassion? We are made in God's image and there's no compassion. He didn't only give us mercy and grace, but he shows compassion every day and we won't even thank him for breathing. Mm. And stuff. You breathe his air. I don't care if you're atheist or whatever you claim to be. You breathe in his air. And if he didn't breathe on you, you would not be living. The money we got is his and our job is primarily to take care of those that can't take care of themselves and stuff. And we complain, jealousy, envy. Look mm. at me. Ain't no such thing as a rich man without a poor man. Because if we don't buy his product, he cannot be rich. Wow. No kind of way. Think about it. God give us a man to let you know what's going on. And you go out and vote against your own interests and stuff. This stuff is crazy. Mm and stuff. People dying overseas. Them boys over in Afghanistan and stuff, half of them don't even know why they dying. And then they get back here and can't get no job for no benefits. Wow. What kind of country is that to serve? Mm, mm, mm. So tell me this, man. When, 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 you, when, you, when you went over there, you, you realized that the situation as far as black people were, are concerned was not as it should be. You know what I mean? That that there that that there was still discrimination and that kind of thing. You know, you realized all that, but still, is it is uh, is it like you still had hope that it could get better, or you you know you just you just went. You said, well, I got to go anyway, so I'm gonna go. Or did you feel that your going might help in some kind of even if it, in a small way? I would hope by me going that it would help. Okay. Some kind of small way. Okay. Do my little part. Mm-hmm. Say I sir. It used to be an honor. They'd say, without war, there's jobs. Without without a, a war and stuff, there would be poverty. Mm-hmm. That's what they taught us in the wow. service. And now, 
all our jobs. We got war every day, mm. but all our jobs is overseas. Wow. They make a uniform. Might be in China, might be in Japan, might be in Vietnam and mm. stuff. Mm. They building cars overseas and shipping them back to the States. Well, we used to do all this stuff. You used to get fired and go get a job. They right. would train you right. and stuff. But now, that's no longer the case. War only serves the rich now. Mm. It does not serve the poor and the middle class. Mm. 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 And they got the nerve to look down on you. But if you don't buy their product, including the computer, the man that invented the computer, God gave him the knowledge. But if we don't buy his computer, there's no way he can be a billionaire. Right, right. And stuff. Wow. The rich don't make nothing. The rich, all they do is take in money. Mm-hmm. They might be in the inventors because God gave them the knowledge, but they don't do nothing. And without a poor man and you not giving us no money, they can't do nothing. They only rich because you buy the product. Right, right. So what do you what do you what do you see, man, in terms of I mean, what could how could this thing change in terms because I know that, you know, they had that thing called Agent Orange, you know, and the and the purpose or the what they said the purpose was was to destroy the, the rice patties and that kind of thing so they wouldn't be able to eat. But in turn it destroyed people's health, including the, the, the American people's health. You know, and some of you guys come back to the to the you know to the States today and you and you have illness that's related to the Agent Orange. And then there's other things like like the drugs that were rampant in, in Vietnam, heroin, marijuana, those kinds of things. So people come back with, with, with drug habits and, and things of that nature. And 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 this is still going on today and you know, and like you talk about Afghanistan and Iraq. You know, and all still going on all over the world, and people are making money off of this whole process. What do you, what do you, what do you think can and should be done in order to put an end to that, or do you, do you still have hope that things can change? They, they're not going to stop drugs because there's money in drugs. Okay. See, it's illegal for us to purchase. Was illegal for us to purchase drugs in Vietnam? Was it? But okay. it was not. Illegal for them to sell it. Okay. You can buy drugs anywhere in Vietnam. Okay. Reefer was, you can buy pounds of reefer for $100 and stuff. Not a pound, pounds. Wow. And stuff. It was not illegal for them to, they sell you drugs. And when you got off the plane, that was the first thing you was offered was a joint. Mm. Mm. And stuff. They can deny it. They, they set up court marshals and Send you before the, the officers and the officers judge. And they ask you the stupidest question. You know where to buy drugs. And that was a stupid <laughs> question because everybody knew <laughs> that it was legal for them to sell it. It was just illegal for, for you, you to buy. To buy. Right. right. That's the stupidest question. I I guess they just wanted you to lie to lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we still lie today to each other. Right. And, Right, right, and so and so. I mean, with the with the health, you know, the health issues that 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 you guys were confronted with, you know, there and coming back and that kind of thing, and the lack of insurance, the lack of money, and I know the government in terms of uh, you know the the uh, the the hospitals that are afforded to you guys are present, but are they or is there any way that they can get better? So you guys can get better treatment, and and actually the country that you can are fighting for, the people like the poor and the middle class that you are fighting for, is there any chance that 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 can change 
And 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 what 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 do you say? I mean, you've been through all this stuff, man. You know, you know the truth about wars and that kind of thing. What can what? How can we change this, or can we change it? Well, I don't know about the other states, but the VA that I go to here in Texas, they do good. Okay. They they do real good. Mm -hmm. No matter what hospital you go, whether you can afford it or not, you still gotta wait in line for service. Okay. Yeah, the VA got a few hours to wait sometimes Mm -hmm. and stuff because somebody might come in with an emergency. Right, right. That's sicker than you Mm -hmm. and stuff. But the VA here in Texas is 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 pretty good. Okay. Even them waiting on you to give you medical help and stuff is good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about the other states except Chicago. Mm-hmm. I know they used to give you papers to fill out and say mail them in. Mm. Well here in Texas when I came here, they filled out the papers for you. Oh, okay. They help okay. you here. The VA got lawyers. They got doctors. Mm-hmm. They got counselors. And it's just up to you. Some people just don't want to sign up for right, it. Right, right. And right. when they get denied, they they don't have that fight in them mm-hmm, yeah. and stuff to, to pursue it and stuff and try to get help. But they got counselors that you could talk to that don't cost you a dime. It yeah. don't cost you a dime to sign up for health care. But the thing that's so bad, if you sit in a VA hospital and you listen to the people talk, you can get good advice, you know where to go to sleep. They got so many homeless vets that it's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And there's no excuse for that. You go off to serve your country and come back here and you can't even get a place to stay. Mm. In Congress, act like you non-existent. Because they kids don't have to go. Mm-hmm. We need to go back to the old way where you used to see in the old pictures where them warriors, where the, where the leaders got out there and they had to fight too. Right, right. They led the troops and stuff. These guys here in Congress, they sit on their butt and collect money, mm-hmm. take all the outlets that they can get, all the money that they get. We are all servants for God and stuff, mm-hmm. whether you believe it or not. You are serving, and there's a price to be paid. Wow. And stuff. And you're going to suffer, believe me. Somewhere you're going to suffer. Yeah, you can say it ain't no God if you want to. But sooner or later, you're going to have to answer the piper. Okay. okay. Believe it or not, you're going to yeah. have to answer for everything you've done, and you will be judged. Wow. And stuff. Because you got money, don't make you no better than I am. Wow. And stuff. Wow. The car you got don't make you no better than me and stuff. My car do the same thing you go yours do. Carry me from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of a vehicle and stuff. Wow. You uh man, you've made it really, really, really simple in terms of what needs to be done. And and, and the basic thing is that we just need each other to treat each other like we want to be treated. Because the bottom line is that whether you treat me good or not, you're going to have to pay for the way you treat me at some point in your life or afterlife or whatever the case may be. And I, and I, and I just want to thank you, Duke, for being so honest, man, and upfront with what, you know, what that was like, because I, man, I am so grateful that I didn't go. And, and, and even though you and I are sitting here together only by the grace of God, you know, the fact of the matter is the things that, 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 that you went through and are able to express are some things that a lot of us have no idea about. 
you know, about what's going on in Afghanistan today and in other places today that that we are thinking that we're, you know, we're sending our, our young men and women over there to fight for uh, something that we are not really going to be able to experience uh, when we come back. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm so grateful for that. And uh, we, man, I didn't know time was going to go this fast, but, you know, the show... <laughs> This is the first part of this show. It's pretty much done. And again, I thank you, man, for 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 allowing me an opportunity to speak with you. And uh, I wish you and my sister, man, and y'all's children and grandchildren and great grandchildren, you know, to be able to experience the things that 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 you fought for. And as I say, as always, in party, I holla. This is Calvin, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've accessed the second half of the Do You Know show, and what I must let you know that is the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this program and others, please log on to KUCI.org. Now, I've uh, written a blog, as I always do every week, and what I'm going to do is read this blog to you, and then afterwards, we're going to uh, expound a little bit on what it is that I'm actually talking about okay so here we go for those of you who know me and how i roll this blog should come as no surprise i wrote a blog last week entitled real men where y'all at and being true to who i am this is the sequel real women what y'all gonna do genesis 2 and 18 in the king james version of the bible reads and the lord god said it is not good that man should be alone I will make him a helpmeet for him. For me, this statement implies that a real man could not be of maximum benefit to others by himself. He needs a real woman who can meet him where he is, not where she thinks he should be or where she feels he's capable of being, but exactly where he is. You see, most of us men are initially and primarily drawn to a woman by her physical attributes. Most women, on the other hand, look at what they feel we are capable of becoming. Not to say in either case that other components don't factor in, but to point out that we approach our potential mate from different perspectives. Neither manner should be considered right or wrong. However, ladies, if we're to meet on common ground, you must take how we roll into consideration before expecting more from us than we're capable of giving. Once a woman sees a prospective mate, sizes him up, and makes a decision as to whether or not she's willing to give him a chance, all this in a matter of seconds, the real challenge comes when she or the brother makes the move. In order for her to meet him where he's at, she must understand that to bat her eyes, hike her skirt, or put a little more wiggle in her walk is no longer necessary because he's already been enticed by her appearance. The key now is to allow her modesty to take charge which does not mean playing hard to get, but enabling him to see that not just anybody can get with her. Later on, after some discretionary dating and some meaningful conversations, both of you are at a place where things are getting serious. You haven't met the mama yet, but you're not sweating him because you understand that he just ain't ready right now. You, as a woman, intuitively feel that the time is right. However, we men want to be sure that our willingness to commit is in conjunction with our mother believing that you're the one we should be committed to. 
Should we be so concerned with how our mother sees you? Maybe not. But after spending our entire childhood years with the woman who demonstrated an I'm in charge because no, I know more about life than you do attitude, we want to be able to prove to her that we're right this time. So we don't want to make our move too soon. So now, months later, the two of you have become an item and a potentially lifelong commitment is on the horizon. The precarious question, who you with, needs an answer. If you proactively researched and responded to his behavior, you should now know whether or not you're with a real man. You should always keep in mind that what he does from time to time might not reflect that real man status. His overall character might not transform, but at times your initial concept of his potential might be substantially altered. Don't be alarmed, however, because change is the only constant that exists. Is going to occur in him and in you, no matter what. So remain aware that your future happiness is contingent on how well you both can adjust to the changes that will inevitably come about. Being a real woman, you've already set the parameters for yourself that are conducive to your mutual growth. You're still going to remain the modest and understanding woman he met for the very first time. You've committed to meeting him where he is, no matter where that might be, and you're humble and courageous enough to accept that whatever occurs between the two of you is not a matter of right or wrong. Rather, it's an opportunity to reassess who you both have become and an opportune time for the reaching of a consensus on where do we go from here. Always remember that being real mandates rigorous honesty, and if meeting him where he is is not where you're willing to stay, let him know that and give him ample time to change before you make a decision to go elsewhere. Being real ain't easy, but it's simple. We complicate it by trying to please somebody else in the hopes of making them all that we know they're capable of being. That's working from a position of expectations and might not be met, y'all. And the more than likely result will be a big mess. Just do your best to be you, Allow him the opportunity to be the best that he can be right now and be willing to lend a hand when he falls short. The real men are here somewhere, real women. What y'all gonna do when you either find them or realize that you already have? I'll holler. Okay. That's the blog and the, and the reason that I, you know, know that it's important is because of the situations that are occurring in our world today and the fact that we all men women children even animals need support you know we have to be able to believe that we're not alone in this thing that we call life um and i think it's you know just so very important that we speak out on where we are and where we plan to go from here um uh, men i you know i i did the first half of this show, and I was talking to my, my brother-in-law, Duke, and we were basically talking about, you know, his experience in Vietnam and how when he came back uh, to the States, things were not the way that he expected or hoped they would be. He was fortunate enough, though, to uh, meet, uh, not meet because he had already met my sister, but to marry uh, the woman who he wanted to marry before he left. And uh, even though he said that he was 
spending a whole lot of time thinking about staying alive while in Vietnam. And he did two tours of duty in Vietnam. And he said that every day was a, 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 a fearful time for him because every minute, you know, he expected that he was going to have to defend his life. And uh, in doing so, he realized that it was uh, a lot of attention that needed to be paid to, uh, uh, to, to staying alive. And so consequently, he didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about my sister because it would, would have taken his attention off what he should be focused on. And that was, as I said, staying alive. But once he got out and was able to come home, um, he began to really concentrate on, on, on living the life with her and uh, the, the, the sub subsequent uh, children that, that, that uh, were born to them. Um, in a manner that was conducive to what he had idealized as the American life. Of course, this was not the way that, uh, that he thought um, it should be in terms of how hard he had to, to fight to be able to deal with the circumstances, but it was something that he was willing to undertake, and he knew that um, it was something that he would have to have the support of a loved one in order to do it. I mean, we're talking about coming home from a, a, a place where your life is at risk every day and your, your initial reason for being there was to be able to protect the rights that you uh, uh, expected from the country that you lived in and to be able to protect those in that particular country that you cared for. And to come back to a situation where, you know, your, your, your health issues uh, problem and you, you, you're seeing that you're not getting the proper care where uh, racism is a problem and you see that you know when you left in 1960 in the 1960s and, and 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 racism was a problem you're thinking that you're going to help another country to be free and democratic and that kind of thing and everybody be treated equally and you fight that war for, for a couple of years and then you come back to a country and you can't get a decent job you know, people are still looking at you with disdain simply because of the color of your skin and 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 and, and feeling that uh, nobody really cares, you know, is something that that's hard to to fathom by yourself. But being able to have someone that you feel is on your side and understands where you are is so very important. And so with that with that particular uh, uh, part of the of the story that I'm trying to convey here, the understanding that we all, for whatever reason, need uh, someone who can support us and, and be by our side in times of distress and trouble is the purpose for, you know, for this blog. And uh, I wrote one not last week, I said last week, but it was a couple of weeks ago about real men. And in that particular blog, I was, you know, talking about how important it is for us as men to to support our, our women, you know, to support our, our significant others, you know, and to understand that it's something that we have to uh, pay strict attention to because it's um, it's not a place in this country or actually in the world that talks about and focuses on helping one another. You know, the major focus in this world is on uh, uh, providing ourselves and others with the necessary things to sustain our lives. And then understanding that we've gone beyond that, you know, it's no longer about 
the necessary things is about the things that we desire. And a lot of focus is put on that. So even in our interaction with each other, you know, it's about something that I want from you rather than what it is that I'm going to give to you. And so in that particular blog, as in this one, you know, my, my, my main objective is to get the point across that those kinds of things need to be put to the side. You know, it's no longer about how much can I get out of this. It's about how much can I give so that both of us can benefit from it. And that's basically what, 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 what Duke was talking about. You know, I'm going over somewhere else to, to, to risk my life, you know, in the hopes that in coming back, things will be better for me and mine. And when you come back, it's not necessarily that way. But my uh, uh, thinking is that the reason that it's not that way is because of the way that things are existing in our country and the, and the psyche of this uh, uh, social environment that we live in, which again is what's in it for me, you know, what can I gain? And so men and women, with the understanding that it's not about what I can gain, but what I can give, um, that we have to pay strict attention to and have to be able to uh, contribute whatever it is that we can to make the things happen that are necessary. We're to have a peaceful coexistence, uh, not only within our homes, but, uh, but in the world. And, but it starts at home. And so when a woman sees a man, as I said in the, um, uh, in the blog, you know, it's amazing how quickly she can assess uh, uh, who this person is, you know, and so, you know, you, 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 we men, you know, we see a woman, uh, we like something about her, you know, whether, you know, it be her legs or her, her face, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, and we say, wow, I'd like to get with her. You know what I mean? And a woman on, on the other hand, that, that same thought, uh, might go through her mind, but, but what she sees is beyond that physical appearance, you know, and she sees the potential in that man to become all that he can become and what that will mean to her and, 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 and the family, if she makes a decision to be with him for a period of time, you know? And so we're looking at each other from different perspectives, but the fact of the matter is that we're looking at each other. So now where do we go from here? And so it's not to say that the man should make the first move or the woman should make the first move, but it is to say that whoever makes the move, uh, the response to that move should be conducive to the well-being of both, not just the one, you know. And so uh, you, 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 you see this woman, you want to get with her. She sees you. She wants to get with you. You all get together, you know, and whatever comes after that is contingent on how that getting together uh, was initiated, you know. And so we have a physical attraction. We have a, a, a potential uh, attraction you know, and so how do we bring those two together? And as I was saying in the blog, the way that, you know, they come together is our understanding that uh, we might approach things from a different perspective, but our objective should still be the same. And that objective being to be of, of maximum benefit to one another, first off, and then uh, of maximum benefit to whoever the two of us uh, come in contact with at, at the result of our, of our union. I talked about the um, the fact that um, you know when 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 a guy is you know he he, he meets this woman and uh, he starts to date and the question arises in his mind you know 
do I take this woman to my mama? You know, and of course that question is in her mind, when is he going to take me to meet his mama? You know, because that's a very important aspect of, 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 of dating, especially when there's the potential for uh, uh, a long ongoing relationship, you know, and, and again, it's, it's a different perspective on both our parts because the man is looking at this woman, his mama, who he's lived with all of his childhood and, you know, maybe part of even his adult life. And he has seen, viewed his mother, the first woman he's ever come in contact with, as one who, you know, projects this image of being in charge. You know, I mean, that's my mama. I got to be obedient to her. You know what I mean? And she uh, evidently knows a little more about life than I do because she's older than I am and she's experienced it. And then her being a woman, if I'm going to introduce a woman to her, this woman, for me, has to live up to what her standards are as well as mine. Because I don't want my mother to think that she has raised uh, somebody who can't make a wise decision. And so all these things are going on in the male mind, you know, and it's not something that's a conscious thought, you know, but it's something that's that, you know, that subconsciously has been a part of his life, you know, from the from birth, you know, pleasing this woman that that he's in contact with. And so we go about it, you know, saying if I'm going to please the woman that I've just met. You know, um, I, I have to uh, first off feel that I please my mother, you know, in the in the choice that I've made. And so it becomes a, a, a thing of when the time is right, when I know she's the one, then I'll introduce her to my mama. The, the, the woman, on the other hand, knows she's the right one you know? <laughs> because she knows herself and she knows that uh, she's gotten with this guy and, and, and she has feelings for this guy. And her intent is, of course, to, to, to allow this guy an opportunity to learn about her, but she's thinking that by now he should know. I know about him, he should know about me. But it doesn't work like that, you know, because there are particulars in, 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 in our lives as men that we have to deal with before we're able to feel comfortable in making a, a, a lifelong decision, basically. And so um, in spite of whether we've met the mother or not, or she's met the mother or not, the thing should be that it's not about, you know, focusing so much on that in terms of if he doesn't introduce me to his mom, then he must not think I'm worthy. It's not about that. It's just that he's not ready yet. And uh, and I think, you, you, you know, women, that you guys have to understand that and the conditions that we're dealing with. But be that as it may, we've, you know, we've we've uh, we've gotten together. It's getting serious now. You know, and both of us are looking at possibly being together for the rest of our lives, you know, and, and all of a sudden uh, the guy, she sees the guy and, 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 and he does something that, that seems out of, out, of, out of pocket. You know, this is not like him. Why is he talking, talking to me like that? He wasn't talking to me like that, you know, when we first got together. And, uh, and, and the guy is feeling the same way. You know what I mean? <laughs> that things have changed. The fact of the matter is they have. You know, but the but the uh, the deal now is what do we do about it? And for me, it's about understanding that things are going to change. You know, uh, things are going to happen all the time. But the 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 objective now becomes how we're going to deal with it. And again, we get back to the to the matter of understanding one another, understanding that 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 what I saw in him you know, might be there, but it just hasn't surfaced yet. You know, the things that are happening with him right now, the way that he's he's seemingly changed in his attitude toward me, 
might be a factor, but what has caused that change? What has provoked that change? Maybe it's something in me. And as I talked about in the in the in the in the uh, letter, pretty much to the to the males, you know, real men. The fact of the matter is, uh, how are you gonna how are you gonna deal with this? You know, how are you gonna handle it? And the primary thing I think is you have to be honest. You know, you both of us have to come forward and talk about where we are. If if she says to me, Calvin, you're not the same as you were, you know, uh, a, a week ago. I have to be honest. Baby, I'm no longer opening doors for you because I was just opening doors initially because I felt that that was the thing to do. And now, you know, I'm feeling that I don't have to do that anymore to please you. So so I don't do it anymore. You know what I'm saying? And 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 she might respond with, what do you mean you don't do it anymore? I mean, why did you why did you fake me out like that at the beginning? You know, and then and then that as that conversation ensues, nobody's going to get angry at the other one. We just talking about who we who we are, what's really going on. And the, the point now is, what are we going to do about it? Am I going to start opening the door for you again or am I going to do it on special occasions or, or, or how are we going to do it like this? Because it, it's not really that important, is it? You know, is it really that important? Is it something that we should figure, well, if, you, if you're doing that now, you know, what's going to happen next? What you going to stop doing next? You know, and that kind of thing. But if we have a, a conversation, a constant conversation with each other, honestly, it, you know, uh, uh, talking about what's going on with us, we can, we can resolve situations. You know, because I, I, I know I've experienced, and I'm sure every man listening to this, uh, this program has experienced, where, you know, your, 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 your lady has been, you know, super sweet to you. You know, some things that have, have transpired between the two of you have been delightful. You know what I mean? And, and maybe something stops, you know, and you're wondering, wait, 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 what's going on? But instead of us having, having this uh, delightful experience and it's no longer happening, you know, do we go outside? And, 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 and maybe try to experience it with someone else, you know, which is a, is a common thing. You know, if I, can't, if I can't get, you know, what I want in my house, then I'm going to have to go outside and get it. Is that the way we should approach these things? No, not at all. As I said, we got to be honest. You know, we come, baby, you know, uh, back in the day it was like this and now it's like this. Uh, what happened? Why, why, you know, why are things different today? You know, what are we going to do about it? And you, and you, and you, and you sit down or stand up or have whatever you got to do and you discuss that. You know, you talk about what's, what's happening, what's going on, you know, and, and, and how perhaps we can make it better for the both of us. And that's really our major intent to make it better for the both of us. Because if, if, if we've gotten to this point where we, you know, we met each other, we started dating, you met my mama, now we done got married, you know, we got a couple of kids now, you know, we're understanding that, that this thing is going to, you know, is going to uh, escalate if it's not addressed right now, you know. And not only is it going to escalate, but our children, as they get older and older, and, they, and they're recognizing stuff at, you know, at a very, very young age. Something's going on with mom and daddy. I don't know what's happening, but things have changed. She, he hollers more than he used to, or she screams more than she used to, you know, and I, and I can't even discern being four months old what's going on, you know, but I know something is happening that ain't cool. And so we're affecting our children, you know, and as they grow older and older, they begin to see what, what daddy does when things happen and what mama does when things happen. And they're either going to emulate it or going to expect it from the person that they that they meet later on down the line, because a, a, a daughter is going to see how her mother treats her father and she's going to want to treat her newfound friend that way. 
And on the other side, you know, she's going to expect him to treat her the way that her father treated her mother. You know, and the same with the male. You know, he's going to look for his mama. He's going to look for how his daddy acted. And he's going to try to emulate his daddy and, 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 and expect his, his woman to be like his mama. And is that cool? You know, maybe not. You know what I mean? But in order for us to, to be able to, 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 to guide them in the way that we, they, we would hope they would go, we have to go in the same way. We have to, have to uh, uh, display a type of behavior that's conducive to the well-being of both of us initially, and then that, that, that sense of well-being will spread to those with whom uh, we share our lives. You know? And so you, you act the way you want your children to act when they get grown. And, and as I said, the, 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 the main objective in that particular type of situation is to uh, uh, um, display the behavior that's conducive to, to the well-being of, of, of all of us. And conversation, communication is the key to that. You know, we have to communicate with each other and we have to be honest in our communications. Um, and it ain't easy. You know, but that's what real is. You know what I mean? And 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 the fact of the matter that that you know I I hear all the time. You know, uh, you know what what what's wrong with the men out here? And I'm talking about females. You know, ain't no good men out here. You know, there's plenty of good men out here. You know, because you guys aren't listening to us when we say it's hard to find a good woman. You know what I mean? And so is 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 actually a, a a situation where both of us have the have the wrong impressions of what's real. You know what I mean? Because we have this this thing about a, a person is supposed to be where we want them to be when when we initiate an interaction with each other, you know. And so and so the woman is looking at me. She sees my potential and she expects that of me, you know, from day one, you know, and it ain't going to happen like that. You know, and a man is looking at a woman and, you know, and, and she's looking good. She's smelling good, you know, and all of that. And so if he's going to spend some time with her, he expects her to maintain that same condition throughout her life. You know what I mean? And it ain't going to happen like that. You know, as I said, things are going to change. So we have to have to recognize that it's OK. You know, the things that, that, that I initially see and the things you initially see, all that's well and good, you know, but is that who I really am? You know, and the only way to find that out is for us to communicate and talk about that. You know, well, well, well this is what I this is what I thought you were you were on, you know, and you tell her, no, that ain't what I'm on at all. You know, you your expectations were wrong. This is what I'm on, you know, and and and, and let's get together and and figure out how we can alter some things to make you comfortable with what I what, what I'm on. And by the same token, we're looking at her, you know, and, and, and she was dressed in this way and looking this way. And now you just, you know, you just kind of like gave up. It's like you got me and now you want to, you know, you figure that, you know, you ain't got to do nothing else. There's no more work involved when indeed there is. You know, I saw something that I really loved. And I'm thinking now that because you don't uh, uh, carry yourself in the same way that you don't feel the same way about me that you did initially. You know, and that might not be the case at all. But can we come together and communicate and express to one another how we feel and what can be done about it? Because, you know, I understand, you know, and I think all of us should understand that some days, you know, we just feel a certain way. And this is how we want to roll on this day, you know. And so don't have expectations of me to be, you know, who I was and like I was the first day you met me because it might not be possible for me. You know what I mean? 
And so again, it's all about understanding, being willing to change if need be, and, uh, and, 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 and carrying it from that perspective. So as I said in the blog, you know, uh, uh, the real men are here, the real women are here. When we get together, let's understand what real is for each of us. Share that understanding with one another and take it from there, you know. So I, I just thank all y'all for listening in. I thank you for, for allowing me an opportunity to speak to you on this topic. And as I say, as always in parting, I'll holler. <laughs>